With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Round and Third, presented by SoCalledFantasyExperts.com. And now, here are your hosts, Nick and T. What's going on out there, folks? It's your boy on Twitter, at Hootay, spelled with a U, not an O. Another edition of Rounding Third Podcast. I got my co-host in the house tonight at Nick Schlegel. Hopefully I got that right this time. Uh, Sorry, bud, last (laughs) week I butchered your name uh, quite a bit. I definitely apologize. And, uh, folks, we got a good one for you. Obviously, the fantasy baseball season has started underway a lot of neat stories, uh, you know, especially the story, uh, which I'm sure we're going to get into later. But uh, let me swing it over here to Nick. Make sure you guys follow so-called fantasy experts, uh, the people who put this podcast together over on their network. And uh, make sure you guys go over to ownthe.play.com for all of your DFS needs. Nick, let them know. How's it going, guys? Yeah, you know what? You you nailed my name that time, bro, so no hard feelings. You're not the first. You won't be the last. <laughs> uh, you know, I just we, – we wanted to wait till we got into the season to actually talk about, like, some news and things like that. Um, but one of the big ones I think that might affect things is the, the, the timing changes. Uh, pitchers now have a hard 30 seconds between each uh, pitch and in that bat. Um, which cuts down on a number of things. It cuts down on uh, people I can't stand, like Ryan Braun, stepping out of the bag and adjusting everything head to toe, every single pitch. Um, You know, it really, it's not something you outwardly notice if you only watch a couple pitches, but I can tell you, like, sitting there in person on Monday, the rate of pace was a lot faster. Um, You know, I'm one of those people that really doesn't try to be on my phone or do anything while the game is happening. But in previous years, you know, especially with, like, Madison Bumgarner on the mound, I've had time to take out my phone, fire off a tweet or two, and, like, watch every pitch. And I found myself, like, in the first inning actually missing a couple pitches, and I had to readjust. Um, so I think that one was a lot more noticeable, and I think that might affect pitchers um, both negatively and positively. You know, you have pitchers that pitch a lot more from the stretch, guys that take a lot of time between pitches, guys that really like to slow the game down, uh, like CeCe Zabathia used to do. Um, you know, you're looking at that might affect them a little bit, having to keep with the pace of things, could throw them off their game, and you could see some, you know, number increases. Uh, the place where I, th- I don't think it, I noticed it as much is apparently there's like 30 seconds less of commercial time or in-between innings time. That felt the same to me. I don't know if I'll just need to watch a few more games, you know, sit at a few more games maybe before I notice that. But I think out of the two there, as far as timing goes, the the between pitches 30-second counter is really going to affect some pitchers in the long run. Yeah, well, you know, baseball is kind of a sport of, you know, superstition. And uh, a, a lot of these pitchers and hitters, uh, they grow up and they have these superstitions. You know, they'll they'll get out of the batter's box. They'll 
you know, like you said, with Ryan Braun, you know, they'll adjust their, their gloves, you know, make sure that, you know, everything's on the on right way. And, you know, it, 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 it kind of takes away from the sport in a little bit just because of that, that aspect alone, the superstition aspect. But at the same time, you know, pace of play, they've been trying to speed up the games for the last couple of years. And, uh, over time, I'm sure it's going to help the game more more than harm the game. It's just something that they're just going to have to get used to. You know, uh, the, you know, the basketball has a shot clock violation. You know, it kind of is kind of the same way. I, I I like the rules. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't really have anything against it. I was I was really getting sick of those Red Sox Yankee games that took like five and a half hours. Oh, um, and you're right; those are the longest right, games you know, in the world. <laughs> exactly. So if we can do anything to speed those up, I'm all for it. But I like the point you made too. You know, most other major sports, um, NFL has a play clock, NBA has a shot clock. Uh, their rate of play comes in in a lot of games. You know, golf rate of play is a huge thing. Said, you know, there's no official timer, but you need to keep the pace of play going. And anything that disrupts that, they're kind of trying to get rid of. So I like it. And, you know, as a person that drives three hours each way to go to baseball games, if I can get out of there maybe 30 minutes faster because of this new rule, I'm all for it. So another thing that really intrigued me on opening day, dude, um, I was all excited. You know, I had enough time to go to Milwaukee, go to the game, get home and watch my other team, the A's. Opening day, Sonny Gray on the mound. And I find out, like, halfway through the Brewers game that Sonny Gray's been scratched with, like, a stomach flu bug. Now everyone keeps making jokes because he likes Chipotle. You know, he ate some bad Chipotle, haha. But uh, truth of the matter, you know, he got really so sick to the point where he couldn't pitch. Um, and what really struck me as strange is, you know, people get sick, whatever, that happens. But looking at different sites, like Own the Play, one of our sponsors, still had 3% ownership across the board, a site where you can go in and change players before the game. Uh, hours people had time to go and change this and they're just screwing themselves out of money. You know, like, yeah, I would have picked Sonny Gray on opening day too. But the second I found out he was out, like, boom, out of my lineup. So it, it like, it baffles me that people out there that, it, you know, even, even people that are listening to our show for advice are, are not staying on top of the when they submit them or submitting lineups too early and really screwing themselves out of money. Yeah. It's, it's really difficult uh, playing daily fantasy because you really have to stay on top of, all the news, uh, the comings and goings, especially before lineups, uh, you know, become submitted. And, you know, it's kind of a tricky thing. Uh, I know it, playing a, playing Daily Fantasy on the East Coast that, you know, you get those those late games and you want to try and get some of those guys in there. And, you know, Sonny Gray was an attractive option on opening day. Uh, and, and you're right, you know, it, 3% ownership when you have the ability to go in and change it. Uh, you know, hours before the game. Eh. Uh, yeah, that some people just like to see the world burn. You know, uh, that's the only explanation I, I can give you on that. And uh, <laughs> uh, the, sometimes, you know, life happens. You know, maybe they were out, you know, doing some stuff. So uh couldn't get back to the thing. I, 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 for one, would never eat Chipotle ever again uh, in my life. Once the reports came out and they started closing Chipotle's uh, across America – I decided my family is not eating at Chipotle ever again. Uh, you can keep your fucking food to your fucking self, and I don't want any of it. You know, I think that's a safe bet. It's it's getting kind of scary at this point. Um, so opening day, we've, we've already discussed it a little bit. Um, Sunday was like a pseudo-fake opening day. Monday was like the official No, we don't. Quote, quote, we don't talk holiday. about that. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> we don't talk. Sunday is not the opening day. Uh, opening day officially starts in Cincinnati. 
uh, every year. I don't understand why baseball wanted to change this tradition uh, to kind of feed the money cow, uh, whore themselves out, and try and have uh, the champions from last year be the opening day. And now this year they have like three games on opening day, uh, their pseudo opening day. I don't. Cincinnati opening day is the real opening day. Go ahead and continue. Yeah, you know, and that, I was going to touch on that too because that's if you know baseball, if you know history, the it it it's supposed to start in Cincinnati every year, and I mean it did until up you know five years maybe, and it's just it's mostly ESPN, MLB now more than anything, like trying to just force more down our throat. And I feel like it's not even about the past champions so much. It's like of course the Cardinals played, like they got to force the Cardinals down our throat. You know, like I'm just sick of the Cardinals being forced down my throat. Um, so we'll, we're not going to talk about Sunday. Monday was opening day. A big spectacle here in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. You know, it was like 31, 32 degrees. It was snowing, but you still had 35,000 people in those parking lots tailgating. Um, interesting game in Milwaukee. Um, not good for me, but good for baseball. Um, the Giants, the first team since opening day in 1997 – to hit back-to-back-to-back home runs. Um, That, you know, the Brewers are already getting blown out, so I didn't really care. It was cool to see something like that happen. Two out of three of those home runs landed within, like, eight people of me. So that was just really fun, getting to watch everybody kind of fight for them. Uh, Getting to watch all the signs in right field with Hunter Pence. You know, there was a ton of Fuller House uh, signs. So that was really entertaining and a lot of fun. Um, Clayton Kershaw was dominant against the Padres. I mean, the Padres kind of just fell apart in that completely, but it, it was nice to see the aces um, like Kershaw come out and just dominate. Francisco Liriano kind of stepped up and proved that he deserved that big contract that the Pirates gave him. Um, so when we saw a lot of pitchers, you know, not perform so well on opening day, I really liked getting to see Kershaw, like, come out and just be his normal dominant self. Yeah, and it was interesting, you know, on the flip side of that same opening day, that Grinky got shelled uh, by Colorado, you know, gave up seven earned runs and, you know, less than, you know, five innings. And you, you look at the two and you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, L.A. got, got the, the the right call in, in letting Grinky go. And, you know, maybe Arizona got screwed. I know that you mentioned it on the last podcast that we had when we were talking about pictures and that you didn't like the fact that uh, Grinky went to Arizona and that you thought that his numbers would suffer. So, you know, one start out of probably 32, not so good for Grinky so far this season. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting on opening day uh, was – actually kind of Joey Votto, uh, you know, those first three Ks, uh, he looked really awful at the plate. Uh, you know, hopefully it's not some something where he's just in his head because he had a really strong spring. Uh, I don't know what his numbers are tonight. I haven't checked. I haven't looked. But at the same time, uh, the, the way that he looked uh, swinging at some of those pitches, I – I was absolutely just baffled. Joey Votto, you're supposed to be my on-base percentage king, man. You can't be going out and get three Ks. Uh, luckily, he redeemed himself in the in late innings, and we ended up winning that game, uh, which is pretty awesome. I like to see the Reds win, at least on opening day. You know, we win one game, at least it's that one, and uh, that that's pretty awesome. Uh, opening day, other stories we're probably going to get into a little bit later, unless you want to get into it now. I know you're itching. I know you're itching, especially from our last podcast. Uh, I'll I'll let you decide. Go ahead, Nick. I mean, if we just cover Trevor's story every section of the show tonight, I'm ball. Like this is this is awesome, dude. 
this, you know, I saw somebody uh, tweeted earlier today that Toronto traded for the wrong shortstop last year. And right now, Trevor Story is making that look like a true statement. Um, the first player, second player, sorry, second player in Major League history since 1900 with three home runs in his first two games. Now mark that four home runs in his first three games. Um, this kid has been unstoppable. Another great quote I saw today on Twitter uh, from our buddy Jim Saunas. Uh, Trevor Story is going to put Viagra out of business. And right now that's absolutely right. You know, I, I drafted this kid in as many leagues as I could. Um, he's He's been a value across the board on daily fantasy sites. Um, I'm all in on him. Like we said last week, you know, I covered him extensively. And it's really cool watching him pay off. Like it isn't even one of those personal things where I'm like, haha, I told you so. It's just really cool when you see a youngster come in and just dominate like they were meant to be there. It's kind of like watching Bryce Harper and Mike Trout come up and just dominate from the second they started. This kid's looking like there's no learning curve whatsoever. Yeah, it's uh, really, really cool to see, especially for the Rockies, you know, especially coming into this year, obviously Tulo being in Toronto, the story was, could this kid replace what Tulo, you know, brought to that team? And, so far, so good. Uh, I, I, for me, if I, if I say something like that, like you said on that podcast last week, I'm all over the fact – I'm telling people, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to start putting out on Twitter all over the place, hey, my man Nick said Trevor Story would be the real deal. I got the proof. <laughs> I'm backing it up. Listen to the podcast. He'll let you know. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to you, bro, for calling it out. Uh, hopefully, you know, he continues. Uh, let's see here. I'll ask you a question about Trevor Story. Now that he's hit four home runs in his first three games, becoming the first player in Major League history to do that. I Okay, four home runs. So, obviously, he plays in Colorado. You know, and, and the games haven't, haven't even been in Colorado, him doing this so far. Where do you think – where do you think – it, it, it ends. Do you think it gets to the the 25 mark? I mean, are we talking maybe the 30 mark? Uh, what's what's the, the ceiling on this power realistically now that we're hit at four within three games? And he plays in Colorado, folks, and didn't do any of this in Colorado. You know, it's funny you mention that because I actually I, I could have swore the games were like we had talked last week about um, Zach Granke starting in Arizona. So I had to go and double-check that they weren't in Colorado when he was going off like this. But, you know, Arizona's a hitter's park, so I take it with a slight grain of salt. But then you look at the pitchers he did it against. Uh, Zach Granke and Shelby Miller, like two really, really good pitchers um, that should not have been shellacked the way they were. Um, I think at this point we can talk about 25 home runs and people won't think we're crazy. Um, right. I think, you know, uh, an outward possibility could be 30. Uh, I don't think he's going to hit, you know, three, home, three, four, five home runs every single week of the season. We're going to see some slumps here and there along the way. But if he's just consistent throughout the season, stays healthy, I mean, he's slugging 1.143 right now. Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, so, you know, I think 25 is, is not insane for us to talk about anymore. We could reevaluate that in a few weeks, but right now I wouldn't be shocked if we ended the season where he had like 24, 25, 26. Okay, another question. Who would you rather have the rest of the season? Would you rather have Story or would you rather have Correa, ADP aside? Oh, man, ADP aside? Uh, 
Talk about like the hardest question in history. Um, probably Korea, um, just because of a little more experience, a little more um, evidence behind the numbers, a little more to base your decisions on. Uh, but you really can't go wrong with either. And I think if we're talking daily and Trevor's story's price stays low for at least a little while longer, I go with him just because he's cheaper. But can we really expect him to last at like 3000 3500 $3, for another week even? I don't think so. No, not at, not at no. this pace. I mean, they're going to have to do some serious adjustments uh, across the board on all these sites on, on his numbers. Uh, I would even say that I saw, you know, a lot of people saying that the he should be a sell high candidate. Obviously, he's a sell high candidate. Uh, I understand that. Uh, if you could flip him for, you know, a, a top tier pitcher, by all means, do so. Uh, but I'm actually in the company of I think I'd hold. You know, I I think I'd honestly hold because of the fact that he plays in Colorado, because of the fact that, like you mentioned, he did this up against you know not 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 no scrubs. He actually did this against some pretty uh, elite pitching, uh, all things considered. And so considering the fact that he plays in Colorado uh, and he plays out in the NLS where, you know, a lot of them, you know, are kind of, you know, these band boxes uh, outside of, you know, San Diego and maybe L.A., I, I think 25 is a solid number that we can place on him right now considering what he's done so far, uh, even with the highs and lows that are going to come with the season. I, obviously, you know, if he slumps, uh, they have the option of, you know, maybe sending them down and, you know, bringing them back up. But I think that, you know, what we've seen so far, it's kind of hard for him to not be in the majors for the rest of the season. So I think 25 is in the realm of possibility, something that you seriously consider. And I think that considering that, uh, I would actually hold. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where you probably didn't draft him to be your starting shortstop, maybe not even your, like, number one backup shortstop. So if you have the depth and you get, like, a really good trade offer that really benefits your team, sure, pull the trigger. And, I mean, realistically, unless this is Dynasty, you should be seriously considering any realistic trade offer that you get. Um, But if you just get, like, a ho-hum offer that you even, like, doubt for a second – I would hold too. I'm with you there. It would it, you would have to pr- really blow me away with an offer to get me to pull the trigger right now. But I can see where people okay, are coming hold from. On. Let, you know, let me, you know, let me let me let me try and let me try and soft toss some some offers to you. Say, owner comes at you with, let's say, uh, like a Nelson Cruz and uh, trying to think of like a tier two pitcher ish maybe like a, a Nelson Cruz and a like an Anibal Sanchez for story. Would you do the deal? No. No, I would about top tier pitcher. So you would need like like what about like say like Jose Fernandez and like Colby Rasmus. Mm, depending on my shortstop situation, maybe. Okay. All right. All right. See, folks, I mean, he he's at least considering some deals, some offers, and, and that's what he's trying to convey to you, that, you know, if you do have Trevor Story, you probably didn't draft him as your starter. If you did, you probably was just punting the shortstop position altogether. And so 
now you have yourself a solid shortstop for the rest of the season, and you might as well just hold. So it can go either way. Uh, obviously, it's a long season, so you got some time to actually ride him while he's hot and then, you know, try and sell him when he starts to get a little bit cold. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a really good, really, really good strategy with that because you know there's going to be somebody hurting for a shortstop that's going to buy in even if he's cold, hoping for another one of those hot streaks. And, you know, so shifting from the good to the good of opening day, um, for me, this is a real bummer. I'm not even, like, a huge Dodger fan. Like, I like the Dodgers. I respect the Dodgers. Uh, but Vince Scully, you know, him and Bobby, like, won 1A as the two greatest announcers that I've ever known for any sport. And this was his last opening day. And it was awesome listening to him open the show and describe Kershaw pitching. But, man, that's, like, really sad. That's something I've grown up with for 28 years. And next year, that won't be a part of my life anymore. And it's just, you know, it happens all the time. We lose players, we lose announcers, but this, this has the gravity of, like, losing Jordan, of, of losing, like a, like, a Greg Maddox. Like, this, this has gravity to it. Not, and even if you're not a fan, like, this just affects the baseball world. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something here, and don't get mad at me, but I don't really know much about Vin Scully. Uh, obviously, I, I've read some things, and I know that, you know, he's very, very uh, endeared, uh, definitely held up onto the highest of pedestals within the baseball community as a whole. Uh, I feel similar uh, to how they feel about Vin Scully, though, uh, to a guy that we have in Cincinnati and Marty Brenneman, uh, where he announces, he does the radio for the Reds games, I've listened to him uh, since I was, you know, a youngin, and I could never imagine not being able to turn on the radio and listening to Marty Brenneman uh, do a game for the Cincinnati Reds. So I I can understand how baseball fans feel about this. I've seen the tweets. I've read the articles. And I definitely feel you, man, where, you know, baseball is a thing of where there's, there's like, these traditions and there's these things where – you know, just it's the whole like family aspect. You know, you grow up watching this game, and the the people that are around the game kind of stay with the game. And as you grow up watching the game, they grow up and they they just stay. And some things are just constant. And that's the beauty about baseball, where you know, baseball, uh, the game itself is a constant. And when the constants go away, you know, you it kind of it sucks. You know. It does. I think it's just it goes into that whole making you feel older, making everything feel less permanent. And and like you tying it back to your hometown announcer, Bob Euchre is like really close to doing the same thing as Vin. And it it really makes me reflect on my childhood growing up, you know, my grandparents, my parents listening to these baseball games and what it's going to be like someday when I won't be able to sit down with my kids and be like, yeah, this is this is Mr. Baseball. This is Bob Euchre. This is one of the greatest announcers ever. He won't be there. There'll just be some guy that took his place, and you hope for the best, but you get those special announcers or special players or special anything in the game of baseball that come around every once in a while that really tie a whole community together, and it's it's felt when they when they go. Um, and speaking of things going uh, down the drain, that is uh, Arizona's Aces. We talked about this just a little bit, but um, in the first two games, man, Zach Greinke and Shelby Miller. Uh, Zach Greinke with a 15.75 ERA, didn't even make it five innings, nine hits, three home runs. His first three home run games since 2009, I want to say, I, just forever ago, um, when he still played for the Royals. Uh, 
I I kind of called this. I don't want to brag, but this is and you know he tried to play it off that he was sick and he had the flu. Well, dude, if you were sick, why didn't you sit out like like other pitchers did? You know, like that's an option for you. Your team, it's the first game of the season. Like you can do that. So like I don't really buy that. I equated that more to like Ryan Braun having sore back or a tight thumb every time he gets a hitting slump. You know, just making excuses so they don't look as bad. Um, but then Shelby Miller, like, I don't really get this one. And I was going to talk about a really cool stat with him where right-handed hitters, like, we shouldn't play them against him because they were hitting, like, 182 last year. Um, he just dominated righties. And, that, I mean, that wasn't the case the other night. Um, you know, Arizona spent a ton of money, drafted – or not drafted, excuse me, traded a ton of young players away to sort of build this super team um, so they could compete in NLS. And it kind of looked like trash so far, at least from their pitchers. You know, you guys, you have guys like Ricky Weeks and Gene Segura kind of playing really, really well for them. Um, but their pitchers, supposed to be kind of the marquee of this team, has not been good so far. Yeah, kind of a throwback to the old days of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. And I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't buy into it myself. Uh, I always thought that you know the Arizona ballpark, the way that they have it configured right now, and the hitters that are especially in that division, it's going to be a rough go for most of those pitchers in that in that whole organization. As far as Grinky's concerned, I think that he bounces back. I think that, you know, if you can go out there, you can go get somebody uh, to trade them, you know, for a bag of peanuts at this point. You know, if they're scared of what Grinky's going to do for the rest of the season, uh I say right now is probably the best time to go ahead and get in there and buy him. I think he improves. Obviously, you know, his ERA is not going to be super inflated the rest of the year. And, you know, I think he actually is a person that probably cares about this ERA thing and wanting to compete for this MVP or the Cy Young. So I see see some improvement. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be as dominant. But, you know, last year – he went on that run, and especially early in the year. So I, hopefully in the next start he has a, an adjustment. Uh, I would probably try and buy in before the next start because if he does have an adjustment in the next start, then the value goes back up, and you're not going to be able to get him at the discounted price. So uh, Arizona, they're in trouble. But, you know, I don't think that they saw the Rockies coming, to be honest with you. I think they probably just thought the Rockies were just going to show up and not do anything, and – Unfortunately for them, the Rockies are going for it this year, it seems like. Yeah, you know, you touched on three really good things. Um, The Rockies, coming out of nowhere, I don't think any of us expected this, uh, especially away from home because we spent so much time talking about Coors Field. Greinke is hella self-motivated. This guy really does care about his stats. He cares about – he's self-motivated. He's going to work hard to bring that ER down to prove that he's worth this money. So I'm not really worried about him. And three, I think you're right – there's a number of guys out there that drafted Greinke too high. Uh, a little too much of their team is uh, tied into him right now, and they're, they might be panicked. If you can hit him with a decent offer to get Greinke that doesn't really hurt your team, I'd say go for it. You'll probably get him. And, I mean, it's that Greinke. This guy's a Cy Young winner. He's going to bounce back. It's not like he's totally gone down the well. Um, I was going to a few, like, quick, really ugly things that happened on opening day. Um, King Felix, with his one hit weird walk error loss uh, 1.5 ERA just a hell of a game six strikeouts still managed to get the loss which really sucked for him uh, the Padres going 0-15 to lose to the Dodgers 
spectacular fashion. Um, Ariel Pena for the Brewers, who gave up those three straight home runs to the Dodge or to the Giants, excuse me, just owning that 27.0 ERA before he got sent down. And then probably the ugliest thing that didn't actually happen on opening day, but it's kind of worth talking about for me, was the whole new like Chase Utley slide rule um, that actually cost the Blue Jays the baseball game the other day. Um, Joey Bats came sliding into second. Uh, the umps ruled upon further review that. He was not directly in the base pass, was not going directly at the bag, uh, thus, you know, malicious, quote-unquote, trying to cause harm uh, to the second baseman to, you know, dislodge the throw, to get the throw off base, whatever. And so instead of it being a one-out errant throw with the game-winning run coming in from third, it was a game-ending double play um, that actually cost the Blue Jays a game. And, you know, rightly so, I think, John Gibbons, the manager, was – really furious about this. And I kind of am too watching the replay. It didn't look like the whole Chase Utley injury from the playoffs last year. I mean, it looked like a very, very clean slide to me. Yeah, no, the Chase Utley play was dirty. Okay. Oh yeah. I don't care. So dirty. It's so one one of the dirtiest plays I've ever seen in baseball. Okay. Flat out. Let's get that straight folks. All right. The, the Bautista play, that's a baseball play. And I think that you're right. You know, Jay Gibbons has a great point when, you know, you want us to go out there and play with our dresses on? You know, yeah, maybe it's male chauvinist, uh, it's sexist, whatever. Uh, but, you know, the point is is that, you know, baseball needs to be baseball, and that's a part of baseball. You know, I, I'll tell you a personal story. I suck at baseball, okay? But one summer, a bunch, a bunch of buddies of mine decided, you know, hey, since you're hanging out with us, you hang out with us all day, every day, why don't you come hang out with us while we go play our baseball games in summer league? So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, can I wear a jersey? They're like, sure. So I dress the part. You know, so I'm sitting in the dugout. I got the jersey on. You know, I'm part of the team. I'm taking the books. And every now and then they would be like, all right, seventh inning, we're up by like maybe five or six runs. You go in there, you know, take some cuts. All right, cool. So I go in there. I go probably one for 14 that summer, okay? One for 14. My one hit was a double. Now I'm running past first, and I'm going to second. And I didn't want to slide because the last time I slid, like two weeks ago, when I got hit by a pitch, I gave myself, like, the worst, like, raspberries and sand rash on my knees. So I, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to slide. But I went out there, and I ran to second base, and I ran in, you know, just standing up. Well, the shortstop came in, you know, got the ball. I tagged it, but he, like, chucked me or whatever, gave me a chest chuck and knocked me down. And uh, I got up, you know, I, I was heated. I was about to go at him, about fighting and stuff. And come find out, you know, my, my dugout was like, whoa, 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 just calm down, calm down. He could do that, you know, if, if he wants. And, you know, I understood it at that point. You know, I was like, okay, uh, I guess just, just baseball, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of feel that way about, you know, the sliding rule where, as long as it's not the Utley play, you know, you're not deliberately going out there to try and cause somebody harm. Let it be baseball. Just let it slide. I mean, it's a ticky-tack foul, and no reason that they should have lost that game because of that. No, absolutely. And I think you're right. As long as, the, as long as the cleats, the feet are below the knees, as long as you're not coming in there trying to injure, like, thighs, manhood, stomach, like that, 
like, I don't have an issue with it. I've, you know, we've all slid into or been slid into by somebody at any level of baseball. Like, it happens, and it is part of the game. And as furious as I was about the whole Buster Posey rule, like, kind of taking away collisions at the home plate, I'm a hundred times more about mad about the Chase Utley rule because this rule was meant to protect players like Chase Utley, you know, from guys coming in with their cleats at stomach level. But there has to be reason. You have to look at where their feet were and say, okay, that was a baseball play. That wasn't that wasn't malicious intent. And I, it, I it, this like, reminds me a lot of like the Des Bryant rule or the Kelvin Johnson rule in the NFL, oh, where we're going to redefine oh. what a quote unquote baseball play is for like the next five years now. Well, what I don't understand is if they're going to come up with this rule, then and try and clean up that aspect, then let's clean up the aspect of the ghost circle around second base for double plays. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? The Where they don't really have to touch you sometimes, and it's called an old yep. thing. Yeah, let's clean, let's clean that up a little bit, and then we can go ahead and have this Chase Utley rule be an actual rule, okay? Yeah, and that's the whole thing, too. Base pass is like the, the weirdest, most loosely defined thing ever. I mean, I think if we really want to do this, we're going to have to just go out there with paint and in that dirt so that we can define it because one ump is going to say it's, you know, X wide and the next ump is going to come in and say it's half the width and players don't know what this ump's idea of the base path is. And yes, like, honestly, that's how baseball always has been. But until this rule, umps haven't been as worried about the base path. The only time anyone ever really about the worried about the base path is if you ran or you were like clearly running to first on a tag play. And now it's it's always going to be in the ump's head. And I think it's really going to, you know, if we're already seeing it affected like this, I think this is going to come into play quite a bit this year. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we are going to look at some uh, studs uh, to maybe target in daily for the rest of the, this week, um, as well as some duds that have not started out so great and you should probably avoid. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be right back on Rounding Third. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sign up at ownthe.play.com using referral code R3P for special promotions when you make your first deposit. Then test your skills and play head-to-head with Nick and T. Welcome back, folks. This is the Rounding Third Podcast. It's your boy, Ad Hude. Spelled with a U, not a no. Of course, I got my boy Nick Schlegel in the house with me tonight on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Right now, we're probably going to talk about, uh, what, some daily fantasy stuff? Yeah, yeah, dude. Some some guys that have really started off this season this week um, that, you know, for whatever reason, are either going to stay hot, have favorable matchups or whatever. Just, just to target, you know, for uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just for the rest of the week. Um, obviously, Trevor Story, the, the top of my list. We've already covered it. Uh, slash line at 286-286, with four home runs and seven RBIs. Um, it's funny, when you and I talked about him at and the preview show, we actually pegged like his season average to hover right around like 270-280. So, I mean, at least so far, like that slash line is looking pretty realistic. Um, maybe not the slugging or the rest of it, but on base percentage and... Um, average for me are looking pretty much right where we thought they were. And especially at the price he is right now, um, 
I, I can't not go after him. Yeah, his price right now on a lot of uh, daily fantasy sites, uh, especially over at On the Play, is very, very attractive. Uh, probably it's going to get adjusted here pretty soon, probably if not by the weekend. But if you can get in there right now and get him, you know, a, what, sixth, seventh, seventh uh, shortstop value, uh, where I've seen him on most sites so far right now, and they're trying to still kind of try and adjust uh, his price. I, I would I would jump in probably right now. Uh, obviously, you know, is he going to hit another one tomorrow? Uh, is going to be the kind of the thing, and whether or not you're going to take the plunge. But you know, if he's hit three so far, four so far in three straight days, uh, I'm diving in. And as long as he's not the top shortstop on the board. Yeah, absolutely. As long as his price stays decent, I'm all over it because you're getting value there that you can plug in other places. Um, another guy that had a really good week, um, gets one more start in week, I'm pretty sure on Sunday, um, Francisco Liriano in Pittsburgh. Uh, six innings, pitched, only three hits, 10Ks. Um, did nicely, not overly priced in his last start. Um, I do Bryce Harper, starting out strong with a 333 batting average. 600 on base percentage and a whopping 1.333 slugging with one home run. Um, that home run he jacked on opening day against the Braves um, after he fought off a few pitches and then just just demolished it. That was awesome. I love watching Bryce Harper play. Um, Steven Seuss Jr. for the Tampa hit a home run today from both sides of the plate. He's hitting 400 with a 400 on base percentage, um, three home runs, five RBIs. Uh, DJ DJ LeMahieu in Colorado, another Colorado guy hitting hot, 600, 600, 1.2. Um, so, so here's one where I can actually point out where I was. I will admit, Adam Eaton, outfielder for Chicago White Sox. Uh, I said stay away from him. He might be a dud. Uh, dude's hitting 625 right now. So, I mean, he's hot. Brandon Belt hitting hot from the left side of the plate, uh, 400 with a 600 slugging. Um, Scooter Jeanette who begged Brewers manager Craig Council to give a shot at playing every day on second base, struggled mightily against lefties last year, um, came in with a home run, or an opening day home run, excuse me, off of lefty Madison Bumgarner. He's hitting 400 right now. Um, and then finally, a former Brewers prospect, a dude I wish we never would have got rid of, uh, Jake Odorizzi for Tampa Bay, uh, 5.2 innings pitched, only four hits, and then 10 strikeouts. Uh, lots of guys that really killed it this week that – aren't overly priced for the most part. I mean, besides Bryce Harper, obviously. But guys, you can get at a pretty good value price across almost all the fantasies, or the daily fantasy sites right now. Yeah, I like all of those guys. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the guys that I've been playing, I've been seeing price pretty well. Uh, Jake Lamb out in Arizona, he's not really doing all that great, but uh, eventually he's going to get hot. I've seen... Um, I've seen a lot of first basemen being priced pretty attractive. You know, Joey Votto is being priced pretty well right now. Uh, hopefully he turns it around. Uh, obviously, Paul Goldschmidt's probably the number one first baseman almost every single day. Chris Davis has been getting uh, some pretty good value as well. Uh, a lot of these guys, it seems like, you know, in years past, the beginning of the year has been kind of the time where the obscure names kind of come out and do their thing. 
But a lot of these guys so far have been the kind of the well-known guys. So you're seeing Robinson Cano providing some value, hitting a couple or a few home runs so far. Uh, Ortiz hit some home runs. Uh, Correa hit a couple of bombs so far to start the year. So uh, even paying for some of these positions, uh, you know, it, it seems like it's paying off. It's worth it. Uh, you know, your your buddy and Josh Donaldson, you know, he's, he crushes crushed another one today, so it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think right now is a per, pretty cool time to be playing daily fantasy, where it, it's kind of a it's kind of unknown, you know, what a guy's going to do, what what's going to happen. Obviously, you got the guys that you know are going to do the stats that you know Bryce Harper. Obviously, every single day, a chance for him to hit three home runs. But then you got all these other guys that are coming out of the woodworks now, and you know the Trevor stories, and so it's going to make uh, daily fantasy pretty interesting here in the next month or so when things kind of come back down to earth. Uh, the numbers start to show uh, what's really going on uh, once we get a lot of these games under our belts, like, folks. It's only day three, day four. You know, you're going to be on Twitter. You're going to hear people, you know, screaming from the rooftops, oh, get this guy or sell this guy. My piece of advice for you, if you listen to anything that I say, because you probably shouldn't, uh, let's be (laughs) honest, folks. Uh, But if you listen to anything that I say, seriously, just kind of sit back this first month uh, in fantasy baseball. Just kind of soak it in, whether you're playing daily fantasy or seasonal. uh, Just sit back, soak it in. If you're playing seasonal, don't make too many moves. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, hit the waiver wire and pick up, you know, those those closers that come out these first couple of weeks and see what they're going to do. But other than that, don't make too drastic of trades. Don't go dropping people that you've drafted. Uh, just kind of sit back, wait and see what happens, and, and then come back a, a month from now and say, okay, what do my ratios look like? What do I need to improve on? Where can I go from here? What's realistic here? There's a difference between like a, a straight up stud and a stud with value. Um, you know, it, it, there's there's good in paying for the top tier guys, the Paul Goldschmidt's, you know, the, the Josh Donaldsons, the Robinson Cano so far this year. There there is value there. So I think there's a, there's a big difference between you know someone who's just who's having a really good week, having a couple good days, having a good month on someone we say you should target versus someone we're like, hey, this guy is a value because you're not necessarily expecting a value guy to give you Paul Goldschmidt numbers. You're expecting them to make up one or two little areas um, and save you enough money that you can roster a Paul Goldschmidt. So some guys, you know, that on the opposite side of the coin here, the duds, um, looking at this list, there's actually two or three guys that you and I said beware of in our preview shows, so pat on our backs a little bit there. Uh, but one, I really gotta, I really gotta eat shit on this one, dude. Um, my Madison Russell, whose breakout I've been calling for years, and apparently I need to push it back another year. Um, he has a zero batting average, a .125 on base percentage. He's struggling. Um, defensively, he's been okay, but at the plate, there's something is seriously missing. Uh, the Cubs have enough depth that they can shift guys around. Maybe not right now with Javier Baez on the DL, but I don't think this is going to hurt them long-term. It seems like it hasn't so far uh, against the Angels, but this one that works, me feel bad because I'm kind of all in on him on a lot of leagues this year, so I kind of need him to come back strong for me. 
Um, a dude that we predicted probably was not going to be that great, or at least a regression candidate for sure, Prince Fielder, uh, coming in at a sultry 1.8 or 0.182 uh, batting average so far. Barely 300 on base, slugging under five. Um, this is not your, you know, vintage, even first-year Detroit Prince Fielder. Something's clearly, clearly declining there. Zach Greinke we talked about. Uh, Tyson Ross on the opposite side of the Padres' 0-15 to drubbing. Um, he only made it five and one inning, five and one-third innings. Uh, gave up nine hits, an ERA just under 12. Shelby Mitchell, Shelby Miller, excuse me. We talked about uh, Corey Dickerson. Hit a couple bombs for the Rays, but other than that, he's hitting like 154 on base of 154. Not good. Charlie Blackman in Colorado, he's like the only guy in Colorado not having a good week. He's hitting 111. And Shinsu Chu, who the Rangers paid a lot of money for years ago. Uh, another Ranger struggling like Prince Fielder. He's only hitting his 111 as well. So, you know, at least until I see these guys kind of bounce back, um, especially because a lot of these guys just on name recognition are pretty pricey, I'm trying to avoid them for the time being. Yeah, I'd probably avoid all those guys. Uh, they're all slumping pretty hard right now. Um, as far-wise as Tyson Ross is concerned, I'd probably, I'd probably panic just a little bit. I wouldn't go full ball in panic mode. Um, you're probably drafted Tyson Ross maybe as your SB1, your SB2 uh, in, in fantasy baseball. And so it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Your rotisserie ratios are probably a bit skewed right now. Um, so you have no choice but to maybe hold on to him for at least 10 more starts. Uh, hopefully he gets better within the next start they can give you an indicator where you need to whether or not you need to jump ship completely uh because it seems like the Padres might just be a dumpster fire altogether this year so I don't know I obviously you know like I said we're gonna have to wait some of these things out uh pretty much all of the guys that you named are are great candidates for the next few weeks are going to be interesting. Uh, definitely keep them on your radars as far as what they're doing. You don't want to completely sabotage your ratios. So if you can get guys in there to plug into those spots for the time being that are being productive, do so. But don't necessarily you know, just drop them or trade them for a bag of peanuts. So we are going to take one last quick break. When we come back, our new sponsored segment by Own the Play, we're going to look at some dudes that provide a ton of value, at least for this week. You know, these probably won't hold true come next week, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back on Rounding Third. And now, Value Plays of the Week, presented by OwnThePlay.com, the only daily fantasy site with real-time ownership percentages. Live the game at ownthe.play.com. And welcome back to Rounding Third Podcast on the so-called Fantasy Experts Network. Our newest segment of the week, our last segment of the day, Value Play, sponsored by ownthe.play.com. Uh, pouring over ownthe.play's numbers, um, found a number of really good values, at least for the next few days. Um, starting off with A.J. Ellis, the catcher in Los Angeles, um, filling in for an injured Yasmani Grandel, another guy I said would have a breakout, so hopefully he comes back strong pretty soon. Um, right now, he's sitting at like 3,300, uh, top 15-ish, 
range, right around 1415 in catchers. So really, really good value there. Um, you're not going to expect a ton of great numbers out of him, but a couple solid points should do you the trick at that price. Um, Justin Bohr, the first baseman in Miami, coming in right now just 3700 Kind of risky considering there's a lot, a lot of first baseman value right now, That considering you know that's where all the DHs or like the outfield platoon guys get listed usually. So if you can find something else you like there, go for it. Uh, someone like Yonder Alonso in Oakland, uh, $100 less at 3600 so good value there, especially against the White Sox. Um, Scooter Jeanette Milwaukee, a guy we talked about already, is only 3500 a guy you touched on, Jake Lamb, third baseman in Arizona, is only 3500 as well. Um, another Milwaukee guy who, surprisingly to me, someone we talked about who would probably not have such a good season, Jonathan VR, um, has come out really strong, hit a home run on Monday. Um, he's in the dumpster range price-wise at 3300 for shortstops. And then the greatest price of all, my dude, the story, um, coming at 3000 even, so Seriously, get him in every lineup you can until that price goes up. I mean, ride that price all the way to five, six grand, honestly, um, because you know people were literally rostering Jose Reyes at like seventy-two hundred, who didn't even play. So, you know, you can get some real value and take out some dummies along the way. Um, David Peralta in Arizona, fifty-eight um, percent owned in most contests the other night. Uh, which, if you guys didn't know, Austin Feature about on the play, they actually show you live ownership as you're drafting, so you can tell what everybody else in the league you're in is drafting. Really, even the playing field, it's great. Um, but at 4000 he's still really good value. Adam Eaton, guy we talked about earlier, only 3800 And then another outfielder from Colorado who's quietly having a really good season so far, like we thought he would, Gerardo Parra, uh, coming at 3400 So, you know, target these guys coming into this weekend. Um, should provide some decent numbers for you at really good value so you can load up on the expensive pitchers or the Paul Goldschmidt's of the world. Yeah, I like every single one of those guys. Uh, you know, another guy that I bias probably need to add to the list is Zach Cozart. He's been playing pretty well so far. Um, you know, uh, what's-his-face, Sousa, Sousa Jr. in Tampa yep. Bay. Uh, it's probably another guy that's uh, been, been hitting the ball pretty well recently that's probably going to bring extremely good value. Um, that's basically about it right now. You know, like I said earlier, most of the stuff that's happened, maybe, you know, Matt Duffy's probably a, a good option as well. Uh, he's been swinging a pretty hot stick here of late. Uh, other than that, you know, it's been all the stars. You know, every single box score that I've seen, you know, it's been, oh, okay, you know, oh, this guy hit a home run. You know, that's expected, you know. So, right now, as far as it's the, the value plays and you're trying to get these bombs uh, from these value plays, they're just not happening right now. You know, the Gregory, Gregory Prolancos of the world aren't hitting bombs uh, like they should. Maybe we just need to wait for the summer months to come and they'll start coming around. But all the guys that you mentioned right now are doing really, really well, and I definitely support that message. We're going to wrap it up. Okay. All right. I can do that. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Um, two things. Uh, towards the tail end of the Utley uh, rule, you were starting to break up in spots. And then it went away when we were on that first break. And then it came back when you were talking about Baez and Russell for a little bit. Okay. I'll check it out. Thanks. 
and it, ha- it happened those it happened those two times. It kind of happened a little bit in the beginning, but you were in the middle of you were in the middle of something, and it cut out on my end. I, I just thought it was my end, and then it happened again. So I made sure that I wrote it down. So there's like three times where you want to check it out to see if you can just go back over and you know redub it or something like that. Um, I know for sure that towards the tail end of the Utley rule, and as soon as you started talking about Russell and then you were talking about Baez being injured, it kind of cut in and out. Okay, cool. Wait, so you said three times, though. So Utley rule, Baez, and what was the third one? And then, like, right in the beginning, maybe, I'm trying to think what you were talking about. Uh, I swung it back to you. All right, folks. That's it for us here at Rounding Third Podcast. It's your boy on Twitter, at Hootay, spelled with a U, not an O. I got my co-host in the house with me tonight, at Nick Schlegel on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow SoCalledFantasyExperts.com and SoCalledFantasyExperts on Twitter. And also follow On The Play. Uh, go over to On The Play site, play some daily fantasy. Of course, we'll see you next time here at the Rounding Third Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out socalledfantasyexperts.com for rankings, strategies, tips, DFS content, other podcasts, and more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.